it is a live conference on simulcast, so we'll be participating across the nation with others next Saturday, 8.30 to around 3.30. Okay? You might even be thinking, is there a woman you'd like to sponsor? Somebody you know that would like to be there but can't, finances? Uh, you know, let us know that. We could help you do that. We could probably sneak her in. And guys, I guess I just need to ask, are we helping with the child care? You are? You watching the kids? You got four of them. So evidently you can drop your kids off at Rob's. (laughs) The address is 517 Maltby. Yeah. Which is the Benedetti's house. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm guessing at the address. So, Hey, I want to invite Bobby Martinez to come. She is leading, a, I'd like to call it a ministry, but I don't know that we can actually say that because it's more of a united way function. And I'm going to let her explain it, but talking about helping watch the kids, we're talking about boys to men. That looks about right for you. The Lord has continued to remind me that we've been praying that Second Chronicles prayer. You know, if my people who are called by my name <clears throat> would repent and pray, and you know the scripture. But before that, <clears throat> the Lord is talking to Solomon about the temple and what he can do, what will happen, what will be the result of the people going astray like they always did. And that would be that he would withhold the rain. So this morning, (laughs) the scriptures and the music really fell into that. And, And the final word that he shared was the word that said, take courage and work. We all know <clears throat> the status of the times that we live in now. And in the last 30 years, I have seen that men specifically, and I was involved in ministry, I saw this in ministry, I saw this in youth groups, I saw this you know, all over, that men have just lost their sense of what it means for them to step up to the plate And this is a time in this nation where God is calling men to step up to the plate in various ways. The one area that I'm speaking to you about this morning is something that, you know, God through the years will speak specifically to you or something will touch your heart and and you'll wonder, you'll pray for the moment about that. And through the years, when I was young, I thought I was going to marry a very wealthy man and have a very big house, and I was going to see to it that we brought in children and filled that house with children, not my own, but children that needed to be loved, that were out there hurting, and nobody was loving them or teaching them that. Years later, as the executive of a counseling center One year, out of the blue, I got phone calls from pastors and doctors and some of the schools. And they had to do, there were about eight or nine cases, I guess, all within a period of two weeks. And what it had to do with was they were calling me, can your organization help? Because we have this boy who attempted suicide. These boys were seven and eight years old. Broke my heart. Pierced it. And through the years, God has reminded me and stirred up this issue about boys. And I think everybody that I've been involved with in the Valley here has heard me talk about my concern about fatherless boys. Here in the Valley, I teach teen anger management. And I'd say 85% of the children, boys and girls, that are referred to these classes are fatherless. They do not know what it is to have someone not only care about them, 
and develop relationship with them, but teach them. These kids up here that I see, and in a year I probably see 50 to 60 kids, and they're different kids. They have not been taught. I can ask in a group when I go through the values part of the curriculum, how many know about the Ten Commandments? And in a group of ten, maybe two. This is in our field. God can bring the rain, but he needs our men especially to take courage and work. Now, <clears throat> this program on a fluke, and it was God, <clears throat> I decided to submit a proposal to United Way. And they funded it. <laughs> so, I developed a very simple little program. Three weekend camps. Um, I need men, and I'm going out to the church. I need men who are willing to take on a boy, 9 to 11 years old. Not adopt them, not see them every single week, but a minimum, two phone calls a month. Take them someplace, even if it's with your family, but do something that's relationable. As I started looking beyond that, when I got the funding, I was stunned, and I went around telling everybody, that's God. That is absolutely God. We had never applied to United Way. And <laughs> that was just God saying, okay, now's the time. Now's the time for the men of God to step up to the plate. Then I started looking at the statistics. You get on, you Google fatherless boys on your computer, you will be shocked because this nation is, in fact, I was sharing with somebody with our law, and she said, I like what you bolded. Fatherlessness is not a social ish illness. It is a deadly generational plague. This didn't start with just these kids today. They are not taught for a reason. Their parents probably were not taught. But this is an opportunity to come up to the plate. In one of the things that I researched, Hallmark had done uh, an experiment. They had gone to one of the big penitentiaries and offered to give any of the men that wanted Mother's Day cards, they would supply them for free. So, I mean, like 90% took cards. They did this, this is great, let's do it for Father's Day. You know what the response was for Father's Day? Zero. That says, that says, this is a plague. If you look at the statistics, it's more and more. It's not just here in Big Bear. It's nationwide, it's worldwide. But if we don't start doing something in the name of Jesus, that rain can come on their little temples when they accept the Lord. And that's why I'm going to the body of Christ. You can teach them about God. You can teach them about Jesus. Yes, you can participate in the things we're going to have, and, and I'm blessed. This is God. I connected with a man who's the director for Southern California for a large Christian organization that only goes into churches, teaching men how to be fathers. Teaching men how to be fathers. This is something that, I believe in my heart that God's going to raise up men that he's going to put it in their heart to just put their arm around a kid, bring them to church, connect them, make them feel as though, you know, they're important and teach them how to be men, how to treat women, how to be honorable. And I have these little things here. So if anyone wants one, you can raise your hand or you can give, you know, see me after and I will give them to you. And it has all the information on how to contact me. And I appreciate Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Mentoring. Excellent. Um, I'm going to ask you to put up our, our part of our website for you to see while I'm talking for the next couple of minutes and uh, on our missions. I was impressed this week to share with you that I was probably, I think I was contacted by every one of the missions that we support 
through our missionary giving. And, and if you're visiting with us, let me explain how that works. The offerings that are given here, a tithe and offering that comes into the church, and we don't pass baskets any longer. Ours are right back on the wall there. <clears throat> There's envelopes in the chairs and people give checks. But you're tithing and you're giving. As soon as it comes, we take 10% of that and set it aside to, to literally spend on someone other than ourselves. That's the idea. And we want to put it out there where someone else is doing the work of the gospel and spreading the gospel of the kingdom, and we want to help them do that. So we follow the same principle as a congregation as you do in your home when you're a tithing home. And that is you take 10% off the top and you give it to the Lord. So we've just been committed to this for years, and there was a time in our history of the church when we were actually up to 20% of all the income of the church was given away from us before we started paying our own bills here. Now, that's kind of uh, against the flow in a recession, don't you think? Everybody groans. <clears throat> because even tithing is a matter of faith now, isn't it? Sometimes we tithe out of our abundance. And it's not a problem. And when things get tight, you go, you get a little squeaky about it. Or am I the only one? So on our website, Christian Center, under the tab over there where it says giving, there's a place for giving to missions. And when I was contacted this week by the missionaries, I thought, wow, it's just coming. Uh, for example, we read, uh, Rob read earlier from Pastor Aaron De La Borda. Been sick for a month, but the church is advancing. Pray for us. Send us a word of blessing. Um, that also extends to Pastor Mario uh, Lopez Aguilar, who is the pastor in Cuatro Vientos, and then Rito, who is also pastoring a, a church in another area, um, which I won't try and do the geography of Mexico for you, but uh, all these guys are connected to that work. And Jesus de Nazaret, we, uh, I get Forerunner uh, in Minneapolis sent their newsletter, and it came this week for me. Any of you on their list, Forerunner? Mark and Jan Lee Johnson, and what's going on for those guys? And then I spoke with them on the phone, and they said, man, pray for us. We're, it is tough times here. Really, things are tight uh, for them financially. And as, you know, as people enter a recession and lose work, and that then oftentimes the parachurch or the church ministries uh, result, you know, we're just kind of a flow down. Somebody called yesterday and said, I, I guess the church probably isn't doing too well, is it, financially? I said, we are simply a reflection of us as a body. The church is only a reflection of us as a body. If the body is blessed, the church is blessed, then there's finances in the church. If your uh, income goes down, our income goes down. Their next line was, can I borrow some money? (laughs) They had already answered their own question, but nonetheless, we were, uh, just to let you know, we don't do loans here. We can give benevolence, but we don't do loans. Uh. Full Armor Ministries, you know, Jim and Linda Shuck who are here regularly and also kind of pass themselves between here and, and uh, First Baptist. I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but this is the three DVD set of our time together, Devotional for Families. There's also a single set where all this is combined into one set. And I just loaned that to Rob and Shannon to take a look at, but uh, that's the, the Full Armor guy up there. Get power, stay strong, and be victorious. These are really designed for home Use and for computer use by your kids for devotional materials. There's three years right here of daily devotional materials that will help your kids build character in their life. And they'll help you help your kids build character in their life. Now, one thing I've learned by being uh, alongside of Jim and Linda is that while they're trying very hard to stay very contemporary in these ministries that they do, this thing's not going to compete with all the video games that your kids want to play. They're going to look at this thing and say, well, it's cool, but it's not like whatever else they're doing, you know. But the goal here isn't to entertain, it's to build character. And that's our responsibility as adults, is to build character into our young people and into our families. Again, back to boys to men, it's an opportunity to build character into a young man's life where he has no other source. Um, I'm always in touch with Joel Comiskey Group because I'm on his board. And uh, I'm also on the board for Forerunner Ministry, and I'm, I try to get off as many boards as I could. I'm on the board for Forerunner. seems like we're always connected to the people I'm on their boards. <laughs> you know, you go where your heart is, right? Amen. 
And uh, Joel Comiskey just came off of a two-day uh, fasting and prayer time and lining up the next year of his ministry. And we support him to go into all the different places in the world to help people convert and transition their churches to sell churches. And he's able to go to places where um, they cannot afford to have him come because we, along with others, support him as a missionary. So I'm in touch with him this week, too. And it's just amazing that, that uh, I don't even know the Ruiz family. Yes, you know the Ruiz's, Perry and, and uh, his wife and kids. Perry Ruiz. Anybody? You guys know? A couple of you know. You know, I got a letter from Perry and Michelle this week that they're they're working with um, a couple of ministries, but they they're a Big Bear family, sold their home here, they with the Baptist Church. And they sold everything, took their family and moved to Texas and then went with YWAM uh, on you know, driving their own support to go as a family unit, and they work in and out of Haiti in the Dominican Republic. And they're just a wonderful couple. And we're not supporting them right now, but other than encouragement and prayer, which is support. And believe me, people need that more than they need money. It's so true. They've, uh, they've blessed me numerous times with emails saying, Pastor Jeff, you just never know how much you encouraged us at the beginning when they stopped by to see if they could do some fundraising here at the church. I said, you know, we are like tapped out. But we sat in the office and prayed and encouraged. And, you know, I got my, I have these pom-poms in the drawers. And I get my pom-poms out and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, I get behind people and they, they go away encouraged. And they write to me and say, man, you were so encouraging. You just helped us see. And then they'd come home on a little break and be discouraged or something. And I'd cheerlead them again and, People need that. Praise is something that uh, someone else said, it's what babies cry for and old men die for, is acknowledgement and praise and encouragement. But they sent this letter, and this was actually a follow-up. I won't read the first one, but um, I was glad to get this. Michelle just had surgery, and they said something was wrong, something was growing inside of her body, and they ended up removing her ovaries. The one was the size of a cantaloupe, and uh, they're they're saying that's that's borderline, you know, between malignant or not, and and so they're still doing some tests. But she came through the surgery this week. They were able to do the surgery in in uh, Dallas, where they're stationed nearby there, and uh, everything went great. Everything went great, and so I'm glad to hear this. It says, you know, our family is so grateful for the prayers and amazing encouragement we received far and wide. So I just felt that I needed to kind of point us up here. This isn't real big, but you can see if you go to this page, you can see the ministries we're connected to here. You can also, uh, you know, click on those. It'll take you to their websites, and you can examine further them. I'm going to ask Rob to come and share Jason Friend as a final one this morning because he put this piece together, and it would be better if he did that. How many uh, know Jason Friend? Jason and Cindy Friend. Um, they're, uh, he's a local boy, and uh, they went uh, down to Costa Rica and have been doing ministry there, and the ministry grew. Um, they they uh, probably still at this time have the largest traveling ministry in Central America, and they would go into these little towns, uh, and they would take their big truck and just set up and, and do evangelistic crusades. Um, and people just, the whole city would come out. And I understand why after living for three years in Guatemala, you know, there's just nothing happening. And when this big truck with lights and clowns and people drive in, man, there's nothing to do. They go, let's go find out what's happening. And so, and, and that's been going on for years and years. So now he is, he is the, the local boy, you know, gone good. He is, he, he's preached at the forum. He's, his, his ministry and expanse is just, it's just really growing. And so he was just here in Tijuana, uh, September 12th. And, uh, and there's a nice, these are just some quick pictures of Tijuana. And he got to preach in the stadium to 12,000 people to the bullring in Tijuana. And that's it empty. And that's it full. And so, and he just, there he is just preaching his heart out. He, his whole family go, goes in, gets involved together with this. There's his wife, Cindy. And they do children's ministries and adults. And they do these, these incredible things. And the response was just incredible. When I gave the altar call for those who wanted to begin a relationship with Christ, over 5,000 people came down out of the stands and crowded into the tunnel where the bulls come running into the arena. 
And here they are coming down uh, just because they, they need Jesus. We need it. And there they are just coming around and receiving ministry. Um, that's all the altar call areas. People are just giving their hearts, men, women, and children. A thousand adults and young people ch- and children made the first time decision for Christ. And you can see it's just a mass amount of people down there just coming to the Lord. And thousands of others rededicated their lives to the Lord. Look at that. Isn't that just incredible? Hallelujah. And I'd like to thank you for praying for us, believing in the great commission of reaching people who desperately need God's help and power. And that's the days that we're living in. People need the power of God. They don't need church. They don't need religion. They need the power of God to set them free, to give them a hope and a future. And praise God, we're connected with missionaries around the world and people in this room because we're all missionaries to go and do just that. And so it's so exciting to be partnered with these ministries. And so um, that's just a quick word from Jason Friend. I wonder if you would do this with me, just pair up with somebody real quick like and and pick one of these, the Mexico or Jason Friend or Full Armor or you know any of the ones we've mentioned, the Ruiz family, um, Jason, Joel Kabisky, Forerunner. Would you just grab hands with somebody and pick one and pray for them? Take a couple of minutes, just pick one, pray for them. If you both pick one, you can pray for two. If all three of you pick one, you can pray for three. Just take a couple minutes and agree together that God will bless them and strengthen them and advance the kingdom through them. You can get out of your seats if you need to. Move around. Connect with somebody. That would be good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning that your mercies are new every day. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us and for these that we have lifted up together in agreement. Thank you, God, that you are our Father and you care more about your kingdom and about us in it than we can even imagine. Lord, we pray that you'll expand our hearts, that you will expand our vision. That you will help us to embrace what you embrace, love what you love, hate what you hate, and grow in our faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. said in James chapter 5 about what you just did. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayers, my prayers, 
make a difference. But they must be prayers of faith. I want to talk about faith this morning. In fact, I think I'm going to talk about faith for the next three weeks. I need my faith to be strengthened. How about you? Have troubles with your faith sometimes? Kind of like with your car. It doesn't always work the way you think it ought to. Chugs a little bit. Needs a little oil change now and then. I need an oil change on faith, in a sense. And I'm just being humorous, of course. Not very, but trying. Thank you. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11. Here's what I'm... Here's something that's on my mind. And I want to get it off my mind and into my heart. There's about a 12-inch difference. Maybe 15 to 18 if you're tall enough. Jesus said, as you turn to Hebrews 11, that if you have faith, how big? A mustard seed's a very small thing, isn't it? It's tiny. In fact, if you're going to get one of those little bracelets that has mustard seeds or necklace, you need to have like three in there just so you can see them all. Because they're little bitty things. But Jesus said if you have faith, as a mustard seed, what could you do? Speak to this mountain and it will be removed to the sea. I remember hearing a story of a guy that lived up on this hillside overlooking the ocean. This is a funny story. It's unfortunate, but still funny because trauma is funny later. He had this great house with ocean view off this cliff. And somebody came in on the, on the cliff side and built another house. It blocked his view. And so he got a hold of this scripture and he was saying, God, you said that I could, the mountain would be removed. I'm not blocking my view. And comes home and there had been a slide in the other house and sitting right down like into the next property. And he felt horrible about it. Got his view back. I'm not sure if that's how this works. Okay. I think it was just a coincidental moment, but I don't think he cast the guy's house down the bank. But it's those kind of things that I'm saying, Lord, how do we understand this? How do we understand that faith, the size of a mustard seed? Doesn't the Bible say that God has already given to every man a measure of faith? It says that, right? Where's my dipstick for the measure of faith? Do we need one? Is that how it works? Have you been given a measure of faith? So now, even in that side, look into some eyes and you're like, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, we walk by faith and not by Oh, maybe that's going to help a little bit. Faith isn't something that's always graspable and seeable, is it? How's the little saying go? I'll see it when I... Or I'll believe it when I see it. Which way should we say it? Faith says when I see it, it'll be there. When I see it, when faith has its way. Now you came here to get a list of ten things and all the answers to this big subject of faith, right? So get ready. Because I've got them all. Do I? No. I think I'd explore it, though. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The faith is the substance. Is there another word in your Bible for substance? Hmm? Assurance? Confidence. Realization? Evidence? Isn't that the second one? The evidence of things not seen? Faith is a substance. Yours says evidence in that spot. Okay. Substance. Realization. Tangible. Does that mean dying? I run on nine volts. 
Yeah, where's the bunny when you need him? <laughs> Pause. Thank you. We are trapped by our devices. We are held prisoner by our Facebooks and iPods and cell phones. Some of us, anyway. Substance. Substance. I believe that there's a time in your praying and in our praying that we're asking God for something that that substance occurs. Now, I know this is going to be vague, and that's just kind of the way the subject is, but if you've been there, and I want to get there more, if you've been there and you're praying about something, and you know that it's in accordance with His will, and you know that He's leading you into that moment, and you begin to intercede and look for that and pray for that, there's a moment when it becomes evident and substance in your spirit. It's as though it was that small seed of germination that took root inside of you. Ladies, you understand this better than others. And Leah demonstrates it perfectly today. <laughs> that there's a seed that when it germinates and when it, something happens, you can't see it and you don't know it for a while. But in faith, it becomes substance. It becomes real becomes as real as the air you breathe and the people you look at and the things you touch around you. Now, for everybody around you, it's not that real. But for you, it is. There's a moment when God grants this change of substance and evidence that comes in your spirit man. Now, your spirit man, I believe, is well above your natural man. Would you agree? I mean, our problem is living in the natural and trying to dwell in the spirit at the same time. Like what Dr. Cho calls it, he says it's the fourth dimension. If you take two dots, draw a line between them, you've got one dimension. If you draw about a thousand of those lines, now it's turning into a two-dimensional picture. If you put some stack behind it or below it or however you see it, it turns into a cube, and now you've got a three-dimensional. But the fourth dimensional is the spirit realm. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. I've been born again in a supernatural moment that is not explainable in the natural. Jesus said you have to be born of the water and of the Spirit. You have to be born again by the Spirit of God in order to even see the kingdom. To be able to embrace the kingdom, you have to do it by faith. Let me take this uh, dimensional thing just a step further if I can to help you see it uh, as best we can. When you have a one dimension single dimension and you bring in a second dimension a bunch of little lines together and starts to turn into width and height for you would you say that the one dimension is ruled by the second dimension because it's included inside of it does that make sense and then if we turn that two dimensions and give it depth now the second dimension is overruled by the third so the third dimension rules the first and second dimensions because they're both included inside of it, right? It's not the other way around. The one-dimensional line does not rule a cube. I'm making sense. Now, the problem is I don't need to make sense. It doesn't have to work out logically, because there's a point where you step off the end, and it's not sensible anymore. But I just need this logic to bear upon us for a moment. So now you have three dimensions. Everything we see, touch, feel, all animals and all living beings and trees and everything around us in the universe has three dimensions, right? So it's three-dimensional. But what rules the three dimensions? Is the fourth dimension, the dimension of the Spirit, the dimension of God. When you look at creation in Genesis chapter 1, it says the Spirit of God was brooding over the face of the earth. And what happened? We had God begin to speak and order came out of chaos. The fourth dimension ruled over the three-dimensional planet on which you and I stand today. His movement by the Spirit ordered things in the natural. And then if we just, you know, hit fast forward, you got Adam and Eve and creation, the fall and sin and carnality and everything else that we lost. 
when we lost the fourth dimensional relationship with God and Jesus says, now you have to be reconciled. Now you need to be born again. You need to have your sins forgiven. You need to come back into relationship with God. And the only way to do that is be born again by the fourth dimension, which will now begin to re-rule over the three-dimensional life that's around you. Wow. I'm, I'm going too far too fast. Because in that moment, if I begin to live by the Word of God, I begin to understand the Bible. And I can grasp a spiritual life in relationship with the God of the universe. Then I'm going to start thinking like He thinks. I'm going to start speaking like He speaks. I'm going to start living like He lives. I'm going to start experiencing Romans chapter 7 where the Paul says the carnal man, there's no good that dwells in this carnal man. There's just nothing good in me except by the Spirit of God. And now that, that I, the things I want to do, I don't seem to do them. The things I don't want to do, I do and fight against them. And I experience a warfare that's now occurring in my body and in my mind that is this warfare between the natural man and the spiritual man. And that's where we got to oil up our faith. I need some oil in my faith. I need some Holy Ghost oil in my faith. Because I still come back to what Jesus says. And wouldn't you agree with me? It's kind of rhetorical, but you could nod. Wouldn't you agree with me that what Jesus says is? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good final word. What he says goes, whether I believe it or not. And if he said, if I've got faith like a mustard seed, I can move mountains. Please don't work on Sugarloaf or, you know, San Gregorio right away. Give us some warning. But can't we go metaphorically in that moment and say, there's plenty of mountains in my life. That need moving. And sometimes we feel victimized by our mountains. We feel like there's nothing we can do about them. This thing is bigger than me. Hey, listen. Jesus said you have to have faith the size of a mustard seed to move that mountain. And that he's already given to us a measure of faith. That means, I don't know if you can get a measure smaller than a mustard seed, but some of us must feel like that's what we have. If you notice Jason Friend's link on our website, he calls it Power to Change. And that's really become the theme of his ministry, Power to Change. What I'd like for me and for you in the next few weeks is to embrace and encounter the power to change. To change the inside man, change the outside circumstance. To begin to do what was designed for us in Genesis, to take dominion to rule over, to bring order to chaos, to stand on earth in the place of God, not being God, stand in the place of God. You are, the Bible says, you're God's hand-picked representatives. You are his ambassadors on the earth. If you're a Christian, Christian simply means Christ-like. You look like little Jesuses. That's his goal for you. Romans says that His goal for you is that you be conformed to the image of Christ. There are days I don't feel conformed to the image of anything but carnality. Hello? I feel fallen. I experience my nature, a fallen nature in the world. I I feel like a failure. And the enemy of my soul comes to agree with me immediately. You're right. You're a failure. You're a loser. You'll never get it right. You're no good. And if I'm not careful, the enemy starts winning and pushing me down. That's what we call oppression. We are oppressed of the devil. We are oppressed of the evil one. I'm glad that the book tells me that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Oppressed. I don't like living in oppression. I don't like living in depression. And I don't like to see others living in depression. That's one of the hardest things for people to endure. And it really is an endurance thing. It's a battle. Nobody. Listen, you know somebody's depressed. Don't leave them alone. Get after them. Go sit with them. Love on them. Pray with them. 
Read the scriptures to them. Preach at them. Shake them. Whatever you got to do. Don't leave them alone. That's part of the problem. Oppressed. Remember the description of oppressed from the scriptures? Can I borrow Rob? Stand up, bro. Let me borrow Rob. This is, Rob's the faithful Christian man and I'll be the devil. (laughs) Comes appearing as an angel of light. Just kidding. (laughs) No, the devil comes along and just says, he'll agree with you, he'll talk with you, he'll he'll do almost anything with you except let you pray. Man, don't pray. You start praying, the devil gets really nervous about that. And uh, he begins to apply pressure up here. And, and, you know, over maybe a period of days and weeks, he just keeps pushing and pushing. And pretty, pretty soon he's got, pretty, you know, maybe in a month or two, you're walking around like this. And this pressure right here, this is the New Testament Greek definition of the word oppression. It's not overt to where it just takes your legs out from under you. It just comes along and leans on you like this and holds you down. And just holds you there. And if Rob tries to stand up, I just apply more pressure. I keep pushing. And if I get him down far enough, I'll gain the advantage. And it doesn't matter really how strong he is. He may not be able to get up. And oppressed. Jesus came to heal all who were oppressed. It's that pressure. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the realization or the confidence. This realization, I think it comes in in this first verse. Substance and realization, evidence, confidence, assurance. It actually carries in it the, the indication that we would use for the word title deed. Anybody have a title deed to anything? Or are we all still in debt? You got a couple. Anybody own your car? You have a title deed to your car then, hopefully. (laughs) Somewhere in storage. Anybody own their home? You've got a title deed to your house. We own the church. You own the church. Remember we had a big service over at the elementary school one day and we, we wanted to burn the mortgage, but you know in Big Bear you don't burn a lot of things. In public because it's dangerous, so we tore it up. We, I think we brought a shredder or something. We shredded it instead. We symbolically said, you know, we're free of debt here. We live debt free best we can. Uh, no mortgage. We have the title deed to the property here. Does that mean we own it? Does that mean we own it now? <clears throat> yeah, it does. Somebody says, I, I come to encumber your property. You can't do that. We own it. We're not going to sell it. We're not going to encumber it. We're free. We own it. It's ours. If you've got a certificate of title on your car, you own it. It's yours. You can do with it what you want. As long as you insure it and register it. <laughs> Put it in your living room if you want, but you own it. Faith is the title deed to what you can't see. The title. You say, am I healed? I've got the title deed that says I am. By his stripes I've been healed. He sent his word and healed them. Every stripe that Jesus took into his body before he was crucified was done for our healing. If you're not aware of this, somebody else has told me this, that there are, Jesus took 39 lashes. Because to take 40 was illegal. It was basically murder. But you could give up to 39 lashes and still be inside the confines of the law. And Jesus took those 39. Paul took 39 lashes five times for Jesus and for you. Not to take care of your sins, but because he loved Jesus. He loved the church. Jesus took 39 stripes. It has been told to me, I'm not the authority, that all of the... All of the sickness in the world can be categorized into 39 categories. I've come to learn that. Which means Jesus took a stripe to defeat every category that we know of, of illness and sickness. That includes mental health. Wow. So I have a title deed right here where it says, By his stripes 
you were healed. Isaiah, the prophet, said, by your by your stripes, we're healed. In the future, speaking to the future, Peter, after the fact, looks back at the cross and the whipping and says, by those stripes, we were healed, and uses the past tense. And so you and I have a title deed that is the evidence of what I can't see yet. Now, how do I activate it? How does faith come into this? Number one, and this is, uh, this is not off my notes, but I'll, I'll get the three and tell you it's number C, so don't try and make an outline. But the first thing that comes to mind is that it says in the book here that the children of Israel didn't prosper for what God said because they didn't mix it with faith. They had the word of God, but they didn't mix it with faith. And so they got to wander for 40 years. I'm not sure how many of us have 40 years left. I don't want to wander the rest of them. How do I mix faith with the title deed of God's word? Someone told me there are 8,000 promises in this book. I I didn't know that. I thought it was limited much smaller than that. 8,000. I have to check that out. But how can I mix faith with faith with 8,000 title deed promises that are given to me in the Word of God? I don't know, so let's close in prayer. <laughs> and I only need faith as a grain of a mustard seed to do it. Remember when they came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith? Do you recall that? What did he do? He went like this. Matthew, he pulled out a Torah. It's the only scriptures they had. He waved it over their head. He said, be increased. Is that what had happened? Did he step back and say, okay, hold on, here we go. Laid hands on them and prayed. What did he do? He didn't give them any more faith. He didn't actually answer the prayer. They requested increase our faith. Jesus said, basically, by his life and his teachings, you already have enough. The problem is you're not using it. The problem is it's not active. The problem is your seed isn't hanging on the title deed. You're believing everything else except for what I've told you. You're allowing other things to come in front of what I've said, and you're choosing to believe the wrong testimony. Ooh, it's close, but I can't get it. There's a song I just heard this week, in fact, about the enemy that comes to say so many things, and but I have to choose to believe what God says. Hmm? Voice, of truth. Voice of truth. That's it. I like that song. I need to learn it. You guys know that song? Voice of truth. Casting, Casting crowns. Thank you. Advertising here. Here we go. Casting Crown's Voice of Truth. Do we have it? Can we make it play or something? Uh, as we close today, maybe that would be kind of handy. <laughs> you can sing it. You can sing it right now? Uh, please. Oh, you're not going to, but you could. Man, I was, I was wanting to go with you there, man. I was, I was ready for it, really. <laughs> But you know the song. I choose to believe the voice of truth. Is that what it says in the song, basically? All these other voices come. I choose. Okay, here's a small, you know, we like to say, here's the key. Here's the answer. Here's the, here's the answer key. <laughs> Faith is a choice, not a magic act. It's a choice. The choice is, to agree with what God said already and to stay there. To proclaim it with our mouths out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So speaking according to the word of God is part of it. Being in agreement with what God has said. He says it, I agree, I say it too. I can't say it unless I know it, right? Faith comes by, Romans says it by hearing and hearing the word of God. By reading the Word of God, so my thoughts are saturated in the Word of God. Not just key verses, which are very important, but 
as we've discussed before, having, I think, out of the Truth Project, this word that I've grown to really appreciate, having the meta-narrative of the Bible, the whole beginning-to-end picture of what God's doing in the universe and why things are happening the way they're happening, having a spiritualistic, biblical worldview, not just you know, grabbing one verse and trying to apply it like a Band-Aid in my brokenness and my situation, but knowing that in the overall, it's God's plan for me to live, according to John 10.10, in abundant life. I'm not preaching your best life now. I have nothing against Joel Osteen. That's not where I'm headed. I'm just saying that faith mixes with the Word of God. Faith mixes with what God has spoken and then says what God has said. We have promises that exist over this congregation. We have promises from God, audible prophetic words that are in agreement with the scriptures about our community. We have people at the state level that every day are praying, saying, God, you've promised about this state that it would be thus and so. You've given prophetic direction to the state of California that it should be like this, this, and this. And they stand in the gap and they build up the hedge every day and they begin to confess and pray in agreement and extend their mustard seed of faith with what God has said. So we're not taking any other answer but God's. We're going to hear the voice of truth. Is that what? Voice of truth. And they have those at the national level. Ted Rose, uh, you were here with Ted. Hopefully you got to hear Ted Rose speak. Big Ted. What a bear he is. He's a hugger. He's preaching this morning, and he sent an email and said, Would you pray for me? You know, I'm preaching in two services. I'm going to pray, preach these things. And I think, here's a guy that just last week takes one day a month, goes to a church, and locks himself in, invites everybody to come, just spends the whole day praying. The agenda of God. Why? He's been trained by Dick Eastman, the, the school, Change the World School of Prayer, who Dick Eastman does the same thing. Shuts down his ministry and takes all the staff. They just pray all day. Dick Eastman's staff shuts down their ministry office for an hour every day as part of the work day. They pray together. We're on the clock. We're here to pray. Let's pray. One to two or something like that. Let's just pray. Why? Because we're going to get a whole lot more done in faith and in prayer than by working things out. So I didn't preach any of this so I could do this next week. Which means I have to figure out how to write notes for this today, I suppose. (laughs) We need to stir faith. We need to stir our choices to listen to the voice of truth. We need to be able to distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy and our own. There are only three spirits moving in the earth. God's spirit, the, the spirit of the enemy, and the human spirit. And if we can get our human spirit aligned with the kingdom of God and his spirit, we can begin to declare things that God declares and see them come to pass. Mm-hmm. You begin to mix faith with the word of God and see people freed in right. Jesus' name. Right. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he's already done. Right. We can begin to, to work by faith and, saying that, and, and pray until something is birthed inside. Like those babies, ladies, that have been birthed in you. And, uh, you know, it's there. Man, I just, you know, I've seen so many of you have babies. It's it's so fun to see one of you before before everybody knows. You know, ladies, you know this better than us. You look at it and go, there's something about that. Is it rostro? The rostro, the face. There's something about that. And somebody will go, "Are are you pregnant? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> You're a pregnant girlfriend. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You see, and then they go and get their little test. They run down to get their little, the money died thing. And, <laughs> and they come home and go, I'm pregnant. Oh, we do that. Because of something. Faith is like that. When God drops it finally into your spirit, man, and you go, there it is. It's done. It's just done. The thing you prayed for has evidence. It has substance. You stand up and you begin to declare it. Like God does. Romans 4, 17. I think you double check so I don't give you a wrong address. 
God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Let there be light. Let there be life. I believe we can change our neighborhoods. I think we can change our family members. We can bring life to them. Speak life to our family. Agreement with God. Loose. Just the mustard seed. It doesn't have to be big. It just has to be working. And Jesus says, that's enough to move a mountain. How much do you need? Lord, increase my faith. No. Increase your knowledge of his word. Increase your knowledge of his person. Increase your relationship with God himself. Pretty soon you'll be thinking, talking, acting, dreaming, speaking like God. Like him. Because you're his kids. We're his kids. Right? Amen. Well, I, I'm, I won't move further. It comes to mind, if you stand out here in the hallway, come early. Sometimes just stand in the hallway and watch the little ones come in. They're all separated from their parents because as soon as they get out of the car, they run. You know, they're, whoo, <laughs> playground, here they go. Get on the patio. Just stand on the patio and watch a few go by and you'll be able to go, that's so-and-so's kid. That so and so, not because you know them, because they walk like them, they talk like them, they wag their head like them. Something about them just says, "You're one of them, aren't you?" Uh huh. They're gone because they look like their parents. You and I get to look like our parent, Jesus. We look like our parent, the Father. We begin to declare what He says. People begin to say, "You kind of look like your dad." And speaking to a fatherless generation, we all need that father. I need that heavenly father to be my dad. I'm going to go into a long confessional thing. I grew up like this without one. Got a couple of bonus ones. That was great. They were good. But I need my heavenly father. I need to know that my DNA and my character are birthed by God. I need to know that when I was born again by the Spirit, that there was me and his spirit, just like moms and dads get together and you get a new baby out of that. When the Heavenly Father caused my dead in trespasses of sin man to be born again to me, there's a new person. That's what the Bible says, Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Old things are passed away. The old dead live in sin. The old I'm an enemy of God passes away and all things become new. And all things are of God because it's His birthing that makes it happen. So I've been born again by the Spirit of God. His character and His nature and His DNA has been put into me. My spirit man, which was dead in sin, is alive forevermore. And from this day forward, all I get to do is learn and grow and be, become more and more like my dad. That's what I like about getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. This new baby needs a new language. He needs somebody that can control the speech and control and bring life to the mind. And allowing the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in me causes me now to begin to be in so close fellowship with Him that life changes and gets way better. Faith is a choice. Will I choose to read? Will I choose to live of the Word? Will I choose to agree with what God says? And will I speak it? Will I declare it in the face of all other voices? And say, that can't possibly be true because my father says this. The liar comes and says, it'll never happen for you, though. It might happen for somebody else, but not for you. He said, no, you're a liar. In fact, he told me that about you here, that you're a liar. You never do anything but lie. So when you come and say those things to me, I am assured of the truth. Because you say I'm a loser, that's a lie. That means I'm not a loser. (laughs) You know, you can have some pretty healthy conversations with the devil as long as you stay in control. <laughs> Father, would you take us on a journey? I know that it would be of your pleasure to be our, our guide to bring us into a stirring of our faith. Lord, I, I'm not thinking I know it all, that's for sure. But I'd like to. I'd like to get a hold of more of it. I'd like to live more fully in the fourth dimension than the third dimension. I'd like to live more fully in that place with you where you're declaring things that come to pass. 
where you're speaking life and freedom to people and it's happening because you said so. I would like to work in cooperation with you, being your hands extended to those who need a touch from you. So, Father, I pray begin even today to stir us together as a congregation to know you. Help us to understand your word. Bring revelation and enlightenment to it, Holy Spirit, as we read it. Give us the understanding of it so that we can apply it like wisdom. Open our ears to hear it. Give us lives that are full of practice and spiritual exercise. And help us to know that when we fail, that we're not down for the count. That we get to get up again. For your word says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he still gets up. Help us to get up every time and say, well, it didn't work well that time. Do it again. Give us a stick tuitiveness a consistency, a persistence, a tenacity that says, I will live no other way than by faith in God. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a final comment, because again, it's the Word of God. Faith has to have an object. You know, I have faith that if I put my Bible here on this stand, that it will hold it up. That's why I change stands. I don't have faith in that one anymore. Too much weight. But I have faith that if I do this, it'll hold it. And and look, it does. That's real simple, isn't it? Have faith in God. My faith is not in my faith. I don't put faith in my faith. I don't have faith in my ability to believe. I have to have my faith in God. Squarely placed in the right object. If I want this... If I want the music stand to hold my Bible, I put faith in the music stand to hold my Bible. But I'm not going to trust my life to a music stand. It won't hold my life. Right? You got it? Faith in God. If you're here this morning, you don't have faith. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. This is, uh, we kind of use the same line as these guys. How many of you carry chapstick? Or a lip balm or something? Lipstick? Amen. What's their little byword? Don't go out without it. Jesus, don't go out without Him. You don't know Christ. I invite you to stay. Talk to me a couple more minutes. Grab the person next to you and say, I don't, I'm not sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven. I need to know that. You can know that before you pull out the driveway. But if you can't answer the question, if I died today, I know I would go to heaven. If you don't know that for sure, you can know it before you leave. It's real simple. Jesus loves you. He forgave your sins. He died in your place. And he wants to embrace you and his family. You just need to trust him. Okay? All right. Rescue your children. And the teachers. Hey, Saturday night service is going to fire up again on the first weekend in October. For those of you that have been waiting for that. Saturday night, first Saturday night in October. Chapstick. And he's holding out his hand But the waves are calling out my name And they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed The waves they keep on telling me Time and time again Boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth Tells me a different story The voice 
Jesus, you are the voice. 